You know, I was not a fan of uh, of the statement that President Trump made that uh, the American press is an enemy of the people. Uh, however, today I'd say I don't think he went far enough. And I'll explain as we go to Iran with ABC News in one minute. This is the Glenn Beck Program. It is a good thing we have the media on the case to show us what's really happening in Iran. Martha Raditz, she's an ABC News uh, reporter. She was in Iran, and she had just great coverage of what was really going on. Let's listen in. A powerful combination of grief and anger with shouts of death to America echoing through the streets around us. This morning, mourners filling the streets of Iran's capital of Tehran for the funeral of General Soleimani, killed by that U.S. drone strike last week. Aerial images capturing the sea of Iranians, hacking the streets to pay tribute to a man revered by many here. Trump made a big mistake. He killed our hero. Soleimani's image everywhere, the impact of his death profound. The crowds are massive and emotional. There are many tears here, many signs with Soleimani's picture on them. But the message is also very clear. These people want revenge. As we made our way through the streets of Tehran, people surrounding us shouting death to America. We will have very hard rebrand of Mr. Trump. Inside the funeral service, the emotion just as powerful. The supreme leader of Iran weeping and praying over a coffin draped in the Iraqi flag. Man, I feel bad about this. Okay, for let's just let's, let's play a, a personal game. Uh, let's say, let's go into time tunnel, and let's say this is 1941, 42, and the United States kills Himmler or Goering, and the news goes to Germany. What do you expect to find? <laughs> what would you expect to find? I would expect. Perhaps uh, mm-hmm. many, many people mourning yeah. the, the death of their hero. And calling for the death of America. Yeah. Okay, now, Soleimani, I mean, Gehring, yeah. Himmler, yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, I could look at Himmler and I could say, well, let's just, let's just go to, let's go to uh, uh, Himmler. Uh, Heinrich Lutpold Himmler. Lutpold. It's a solid middle it's name. It's solid. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Okay. He was one of the most powerful men in Nazi Germany. Okay. Mm-hmm. Main architect of the final solution. Well, this guy's the main architect of the destruction of Israel and the destruction of all Jews. So it's kind of the same thing. Um, a member of the reserve battalion during World War One. He didn't see active service, blah, blah, blah. But then he developed the SS. What is that? Stormtroopers. The what, do you think the, <laughs> what do you think that is? Yeah. I mean, he's Himmler. Now, would we be mourning the death of, Hitler, of Himmler? Would we expect to see Hitler weeping over the coffin? Of course we would. Would we expect Hitler to be saying, "Oh my gosh, this is a this is a, a travesty. This is this is absolutely wrong." The question is, 
would the American press play along with it? Or would they have the guts to say what was really going on? Well, let me answer that question for you. Christian Science Monitor. The train arrived punctually. Uh, <laughs> not long after Adolf Hitler's rise in power and traffic was well regulated. Germany has policemen in new smart blue uniforms that keep order. I have so far found quietness, order, and civility. They're not the slightest sign of anything unusual afoot. Christian Science monitor as for the harrowing stories of jews being mistreated they seem to only apply to a small portion of the jews but most of which were not in any way molested uh let's see let's go to um let's go to the philadelphia evening bulletin there have been indications of moderation on hitler's part the Cleveland Press on January 31st to 33 said appointment of Hitler as the German chancellor may not be such a threat to world peace as it appears at first blush. Because there's a new moderation in Hitler on his rise to power. Uh, the New York Evening Post, uh, they report that there is an indeterminate number of Jews that have been killed. Hundreds of Jews have been beaten and tortured. Thousands of Jews have fled. Thousands of Jews have been or will be deprived of their livelihood, all because of Germany's 600,000 Jews that are now living in terror. Okay, that there's one that's telling the truth. Yeah, but the New York Times said... German violence has been spent. Prosperity and happiness is soon going to prevail. The New York Herald Tribune's Berlin correspondent asserted that while the situation of German Jewry was an unhappy one, the atrocity stories are exaggerated and unfounded. The American press did exactly the same thing with Nazi Germany. They listened to the propaganda because they they listen with their American ears. Now, that's not what's happening today. They're not listening with their American ears. They're listening with their ears that hate Donald Trump. Donald Trump said that the press is, a, um, is an enemy of the people. And I didn't like that. Because I don't like anything that, that smacks of going against uh, the First Amendment. I, I don't I just don't like it. However, today, I don't think he went far enough. Let's look what the American press is for. The American press, many of them up until the very end, were for Hitler. They were for Mussolini. They were for Stalin. They were for the Russian Revolution. They were against uh, America in the so with the Soviet Union. I grew up in the 70s and 80s. I remember hearing from the press how great the Soviet Union really was. How it was Ronald Reagan who was the real warmonger and was going to get us all killed. Gee, something else happened. I've heard from this press how great Chavez is. I've heard from this press, Castro was a hero to his people. I've heard that about Ahmadinejad. I've heard all of the bad things that we did to Iran that, yeah, we did. We put the Shah in and we helped him stay. Should we be involved in other people's countries? No. But wait a minute. Then why is it 
you have such a hard time because that's what they would say. We did all these horrible things all around the world. I agree with you. We should butt out of other people's business. However, why won't you look into what Caramella and everybody else involved in the, uh, the Trump phone call are actually doing in the State Department? Why won't you talk about how the Arab Spring was pretty much run from our Oval Office? How come you didn't have a problem with what happened in Libya? The only time you seem to be for anything is when it means big, oppressive government doing something to the people or to the people of a foreign country because your leader is there. I don't think Americans feel this way. I think Americans... I hope. I, I don't even know who America is anymore right now. I know who a I know who a good portion are that are silent. But I think a good number of silent Americans who better not be silent much longer, they feel like, for instance, we gotta get out of Iraq. We gotta get out of Iraq. Let's stop this war. I think most Americans feel that way. Now, I'd like to throw a wrinkle in that. You cannot get out of Iraq today. You can't. Why? Because what did Ronald Reagan do? Because he listened to the State Department buffoons. What did he do when uh, the, the Marine barracks in Beirut were bombed? He was told, you'll make things much, much worse. So just pull out. Just get out of there. Well, what did that do? We now know that Osama bin Laden saw that and went, whoa, you can make this giant move. If we move out of Iraq today, six months, eight months, a year from now, maybe different. But if we move out of Iraq, because there's nothing more I want. You've got to get out of Iraq. Don't tempt us to do the things that we want to do. Because I'd like to get out of Iraq. You know, if the Iraqi people decide oh, America's a problem, fine. You won't see us in your neighborhood again. That's my feeling. Bye-bye. Too much blood, too much treasure, and you don't want freedom. So go ahead. However, what we're talking about today is teaching the Middle East, and especially Iran, that they can move us. We've already taught them that they can take our, our embassy. They did it in 1979 until Reagan was sworn in. Then they did it in Benghazi. The guy we killed is responsible for Benghazi. That was his plan. You didn't know about it. Why? Because the press never reported it. They just went with a big state guy that they just love. And the big state woman, Hillary Clinton who they just love. Then they attack our embassy in Iraq. What are we supposed to do? Just take it? 
They have somebody, a Himmler or a Goering, who is planning on killing our troops and is a record, a long record of killing our troops beyond the misery and the torture that he has provided all over the Middle East. And our press mourns. Our press gets there right away to cover this funeral as they should cover the funeral. Let me ask you, let me ask you this, Martha. Are you a strong woman? You believe in equal women's rights and you believe in all of that. And, and you believe that you can do anything. Girl power. I bet you do. Then why are you wearing your headscarf? You know you're in a group of people. If your headscarf blows off, they kill you. Because you're not really fully a person. You're just a woman. And you're making excuses for these people? You're not an enemy of the American people. You are an enemy of anyone who stands up for freedom. You should cover that. And I'd even give you a break if you were covering it just without any kind of commentary on it. You were just covering it as long as ABC News was saying beforehand, we had to make special deals to get in here so we could cover this and special deals so we could get her out afterwards. We'd understand. But you are an organ for evil. And that's all of the press. You've done it before. This is nothing new. America, wake the hell up. Where was the press? Where was Martha Raddatz and ABC News when millions of people all over the country were protesting their oppressive government? Where were they? They couldn't even, they didn't, they, they didn't go there and cover that. And for good reason, you'd be killed if you were there covering it. But where were they when it would, the cause was freedom? I have no doubt that millions of people in Iraq are religious zealots and believe that the Islamic way of life is the way to go. Well, good for them. They're wrong when it comes to human rights. You want to do that yourself? You go do that yourself. But don't oppress anybody else as you're doing it. And that's what this is. This is a state that oppresses people, kills people. Where were they when the Islamic regime just last year again was hanging people because they were gay? This is who you are standing up for. Now, let me tell you what the real people in Iran feel. And I know this because I read from the dissidents, not today, but over the years. Soleimani is a popular guy with the with the zealots. Yes, he is, because he's spreading this ideology all around the world and he's doing it with force brutal force so yeah there's a lot of hardliners that love this guy millions of them perhaps but the average person just like the average person here in america 
just wants to be left alone, just wants to have a better life, just wants to be able to pursue their dreams. You know, they just want a right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That's what they want. That's ingrained in all of us because God gives it to all of us. And they see Soleimani as the guy who's taking the bread out of their children's mouths because he was getting a billion, with a B, a billion dollars a month to do what? To go foment foreign wars, to foment uh, terror all around the Middle East. And the average person is looking to their government and saying, you're, you're spending a billion dollars? Do you know that it, it costs me 70% more now this month to be able to buy bread for my children? We could use some of that money. Just like we say, but it's not nearly as bad. Just like we say, hey, can we stop with these foreign wars? We got things we have to fix here. Imagine if bread and milk cost you 70% more today than it did just a few weeks ago. Do you think we'd all be up? And even the greatest hero in our war machine, we would be like, look, dude, stop it. Stop. That's what's that's the reality on the streets and it is also the reality that millions of people were to even those who were part of the 79 revolution do not want the ayatollahs running their life anymore they don't want the religious police squads how can the press say anything about me and my religion or you and your religion and any of our churches when this is going on see the press doesn't have perspective that's the problem they've lost all perspective because in their arrogance they think that they are right they think that they are smarter than everybody else and they think that anyone who disagrees with them on anything is a moron you couple that arrogance and that belief with the hatred for Donald Trump and you have a press that you can't trust anything that comes out of their mouth Oh, I mean, unless it's Brian Stelter. I mean, because he is just, I mean, he's a reliable source. Yeah, well, of course it was. You know, we're just having a conversation off the air about the letter that was released yesterday that says, yeah, United States is pulling out. We're, we're pulling out of Iraq. Whoever released that should be fired. And in my personal opinion, after we look at the facts, if the facts show that it was something other than, oops, I just hit send, uh, you know, and I, I, I really meant to hit delete or whatever, this person should uh, pay a heavier price than just being fired. This is something that has international ramifications. Yeah, and the way they explained it was somebody sent it over to the Iraqi military guys and they think that those guys may have been the ones who got it to the press although why would we send it to Iraqi military guys here's, here's the quote it was sent over to some Iraqi military guys mm. in order to get things coordinated for air movement etc then it went from that guy's hands to another guy's hands and then it went into your hands and now it's a kerfuffle so this who is the operation hell is, this, is this is this is this Dr. Seuss writing this 
Who's writing this? You know him? Because, yeah, that was Dr. <laughs> yeah. Su- no. uh, yeah, you don't hear the word kerfuffle from a lot no, of military you don't. guys. But, no. yeah, uh-uh. um, this was uh, from uh, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, General Mark uh, Milley, clarified to reporters that it was a mistake. Was it after, like, it 5 was o'clock? Was he, was he phoning this in from a bar? Well, or it's something? 5 o'clock somewhere. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> That is the most ridiculous statement I've ever heard. I, I mean, it seems like what they're trying to say is, they're, A, they're trying to downplay it, as you'd expect the military to do. And it, look, it was a mistake. People make mistakes, and that that is true. Technically, uh-huh, uh, it does uh-huh, happen. Uh-huh. It just seems like that's kind of a bad one. And again, like they're, yeah, they're, you know, it might be seeing that it plays right into the hands of our enemies. I mean, that's again, just go to the World War II comparison because I think we can compare this guy to Himmler or to Goering. Certainly, he, in scope, it's what he desires, right? Yeah. I mean, he hasn't actually uh, gone through with the Holocaust, thankfully. But he certainly seems to desire it and has made public statements in that direction. With what we knew at the time. Now, don't look at it from, look at it from yeah, 1941, yeah, that's a, that's fair, 1942. Yeah. We didn't know that uh, Himmler was doing that. If we could have, 1941, we didn't know that Himmler had drilled holes through the legs of children to torture them. Correct. We, we didn't know. know we that. have we photos know that. of it. Yeah. <laughs> we, we have, know. We have people who, who work on the staff who were there yeah. and saw and met the child. Yeah, who's still alive, although the mother is not alive anymore. Uh, mother, the, the father still is, and we explained in detail exactly what happened to them. Um, this is this is not a guy like th- that's what's so weird about this one. I you can uh, you can understand like you can make a legitimate point that you're worried about the fu- the the way this might you know uh, spiral out of control. I don't think that's where this is going to go, but you can make that point and and be legitimate about your concerns of what happens in the future and you don't want these things to escalate and all that's fine. But to just act as if this guy is a person who's a genius and should be respected and and you can understand why the Iranians love him so much, that is not the appropriate level of coverage for a person who has taken little boys and girls and taken a drill to them and drilled holes through their bodies. This is what this man has done. That, and that doesn't even include the American troops he's killed. So here's the here's the thing. If if somebody if we would have killed Himmler or Goering in 1942 and all of a sudden the the War Department at the time released a statement to to Italians and this uh, this statement got out into the press that we were thinking about leaving the war. We were just going to, you know what, we're just going to get out of France and England, and uh, that's just the way it is. What do you think Roosevelt would have done? What do you think would have happened to that person that released that document? Do you think he would have gone, whoops, mistake? (laughs) Probably not. (laughs) This this has dramatic implications. Can Can we get a handle... What does top secret mean anymore? What does a security clearance mean anymore if we have everybody's like, oh, I don't know. I was just emailing these top secret documents to her basement at home. I didn't know. We're releasing top secret documents. I I have a better record of keeping secrets, and I'm horrible at it. Oh, yeah, terrible. Uh, is it one of those? I mean, is it even appropriate uh, to... To write the letter at all like they're they're the letter basically says like here we're going to be pulling out 
and we're going to be, um, uh, you know, we're going to need some time. We're going to need to, you know, some extra clearance for helicopters to pick up uh, troops and all these things. And when was it written? Uh, it was written after this vote, apparently, because it references the vote. Um, hey, you guys want us out, so we're going to go. So their point is like, well, we need we need to get prepared because if Trump comes to us and says we're out, we need to be ready. I agree with that. That It's fine to prepare for it, but do you need to prepare the letter unless you get the order? If you get the order to pull out, okay, yes, prepare the letter, prepare everything. If you don't get the order, it's appropriate to think about, okay, these troops are going to have to go here. You need to plan in advance if you're in the military, clearly. Do you need to write a draft letter and send it over to the Iraqi military? No. Like, I can't you, even think I, I don't have a problem with them writing a letter. But it going to anyone, going to anyone other than the superior of the person who wrote it, yeah, makes no difference. What are you doing? Even right, I mean, a letter is the last thing you like. It's just like, okay, we've got all of it planned. Let's let them know what we're doing. That's not something you you're need thinking to, to write in no, advance. No, no, because to- you're thinking about this as one person, not a huge military operation where everybody has their specific role to play. There's somebody whose specific role is just to write that letter when it gets down to it. So if you're in a meeting and you're hearing that, okay, there's a possibility yeah. that we're going to be pulling just- out. You could just do that so you're you're not the one that everybody's waiting for. You call that person when the order comes in and you say, hey, write the letter. Dopey. Write it. Don't, by the way, don't just send it to the media. Here's the uh, here's the letter. I, I, I think this person should be fired at best. I, don't, I mean, I don't know. It's, they may have been told to send this letter over there. And then that person should be fired. Whatever it is, yeah. yeah it says, sir, this is to uh, your excellency, in case you were wondering who it was okay. to. It's All to right. your excellency. Now, is this the is this the president of Iraq or the prime minister of Iraq who's really not the prime minister? It's uh, Abdul Amir, okay. deputy de- uh, director of combined uh Joint forces of Baghdad. Yeah, let's okay. see. It's the Iraq Ministry of Defense. All right. Your Excellency. Mm-hmm. Sir, in due deference to the sovereignty of the Republic of Iraq, and as requested by the Iraqi parliament and the prime minister, we will be re- repositioning uh, forces uh, over the course of coming days and weeks you know, to prepare for onward movement. In order to conduct this task, coalition forces are required to take certain measures to ensure that the movement out of Iraq is conducted in a safe and efficient manner. During this time, there will be an increase in helicopter travel in and around the international zone of Baghdad. Increased traffic will include uh, various helicopters. Uh, uh, Coalition forces will take appropriate measures to minimize and mitigate the disturbance to the public. In addition, we will conduct these operations during hours of darkness to help alleviate any perception that we may be bringing more coalition forces into the international zone. As we begin implementing the next phase of operations, I want to reiterate the value of our friendship and partnership. We respect your sovereign decision to order our departure. Okay. Very respectful. Uh, very respectful. William very, Seeley. That is wonderful, William. And, I'm, and I think that's wonderful that you had that letter written and, and, and sent out. Um, I, I think whoever gave the order to send that out should be fired. At best, what this seems, you know, the old joke is, I'm not paranoid. People are following me, okay? (laughs) But that joke is not really a joke anymore when it comes to our government. I I don't think that there's a deep state. I mean, I'm not crazy. It's just that there really is a deep state. I don't know if this guy is... Is he friends with anybody in the State Department? Is he friends with anybody in the intel that's part of this? I I understand. I understand that that's probably not it and not where we need to go. But I have to tell you, 
you have to start thinking that way if you're in the government because there are players. Why would you do this? Oh, it's just a mistake. Really? How come every mistake that the State Department and the military are making seem to fall in line exactly with what the press would love? There's never a mistake there. Where's the mistake that falls into the favor of Donald Trump ever? Well, this particular thing, though, right, is, is Trump has said he wants to get out of Iraq, right? I mean, he's also recently in the last couple of days said he wouldn't go unless they paid for the military base. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I don't think this is something that's against Trump's generalized agenda, right? He wants to leave. Um, and I, you know, I mean, I don't think you lose a lot of wagers betting on just government incompetence. It's possible that they just shouldn't have sent this and sent it. I don't necessarily think there's anything bigger than that other than it's just pathetic. I mean, we should understand that this if you happened during people- the Vietnam War. Oh, yeah, because the government was super competent during the Vietnam War. I know that, but did it happen then? They weren't competent at all. Did it happen? Did we have these letters that were going out that were, you know, oops, we we didn't mean to send that out? Well, I mean, I I don't know if the specific exact thing happened, but certainly things a lot worse than it happened. Uh, You know, is it possible that, that they, you know, someone sent... Uh, a letter to someone they believed they had a good relationship, a trusting relationship in the Iraqi military, and they, you know, got leaked to the press. I mean, I think that's totally possible. It's just, it doesn't make much sense as to why. And I guess you can look back at this and say, it's not that big of a deal, right? We're not leaving. We haven't made a decision to leave. And, uh, you know, what would be the motivation? They're trying to push that along and hope that it creates Mm -hmm. the momentum to leave, maybe? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's possible, but again, Donald Trump is the guy making that decision, and he doesn't seem all that influenced by by pressure from the outside. He seems to kind of just do what he wants to do. So, I mean, when at some point Trump will decide he wants to leave there, I think. I mean, he's said that a bunch of times, so, um, if he can. So here's what you have to take into account on the damage that this things like this can do. Mm-hmm. When I was in the Oval with George Bush, he said to me, uh, because I, he was amazing. He was amazing. He was so he he was so eloquent. He had yeah. a grasp of all of the facts. He was terrifying. And also, you, I remember you being blown away by how well spoken he was, right. which was not as public. Because it was like, well, well, you know, I and <laughs> we're gonna, uh, you know, uh, toothbrush. Uh, yeah, and you're, like, well, and you're like, what the hell is wrong with this struggled guy? That long for toothbrush, right? Mm. Uh, and so I said to him after about 20 minutes of him just going off and rattling off facts, I said, "No offense, Mr. President, but." <laughs> Where is this guy? <laughs> he might have taken offense to that, but where is this guy? And he looked at me, you know, quite sternly and said, do you know how many things I'm juggling at the same time? Do you know how many things I have to be careful of? I say one wrong word and it sends a signal to the Chinese or it sends a signal to our enemies or it sends a signal to our allies. Just one shift of eyes. They're analyzing everything the president does and says. Well, that's the same thing. We now have the Pentagon sending out a letter saying we're leaving. You don't think that you remember the Russians thought Tom Clancy was a CIA operative trying to tell the Russians exactly what we would do so they would think we would do that, but we'd do the opposite. I mean, 
the war gaming that goes on, you don't l- release a document like no, this. You cannot make these I, mistakes. You no, cannot. I don't do care what the excuse was. I'd like to know what the excuse was. But well, it's, the, the president. Is, it was a kerfuffle. Yeah. The president <laughs> should demand the resignation or fire. So we're not paying for that person's retirement. Fire that person that did that. Welcome to the program. You ever heard the name Horst uh, Vessel? Horst Vessel, I think is how you say it. He was, um, he is the guy who the National um, Socialist Party of Germany, the Nazis, eventually their anthem became about him. It's this little anthem that they made. Okay. And this is all about how this guy died and he was a hero of the republic well he wasn't a hero he was a he was a propaganda tool um he was fighting against the communists uh in as a brown shirt he would go beat up communists well the communists didn't like it and so they marked him for death uh, but he he stayed in this apartment and he got into the argument with a landlady and she told her communist friends and then they killed him. Uh, he was propagandized and made into a hero. Can our press stop making their their new hero in Iran into a hero around the rest of the world? He wasn't a hero. He was a killer. Back in a minute. You're listening to Glenn. 